0: It's already been good uh, to be in God's house on this Memorial Day. Weekend, And I did just want to stop before we get into our message this morning and and mention, of course, uh, we do stop and celebrate and remember uh, those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice um, for our freedom um, so that we can do uh, even this, what we're doing today. Memorial Day started as Decoration Day, and they would take flowers and different things and decorate the graves, and over time developed into Memorial Day, and that's what we do this weekend. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that many have paid the price, and those that have gone and really paid the ultimate price with their blood of course we understand that uh, the ultimate price was prayed for our forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ but our freedom by those that have served and those that have fought in wars and those that have really wanted to give their lives so that we can do um, what we're doing this morning and I, I do wanna just just for us to just stop and think about that we're gonna pray and thank God for that I believe uh, there's a balance to it we don't worship the flag and we don't worship America but at the same time we should be thankful and grateful um, that through God's sovereignty and His grace, we were born here and we have the freedom um, that we have. Can we just stop together this morning and let's bow our heads and just for a minute of silence. We're not going to do it long, but I want us just to end silence just for about 10 or 15 seconds to thank the Lord for those um, that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And then we'll pray together um, uh, just for our country and for our service today. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for our freedom. Lord, we first of all this morning thank you for the freedom that is found in you. Lord, by your grace are we saved, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have as a country, Lord. Uh, Lord, that we can freely worship today. Lord, that we uh, can freely live our lives peacefully. And God, I pray, Lord, as things are changing in our world and in our country, God, I pray that you would continue to preserve our freedom. Lord, we thank you for those that have paid that ultimate price. Lord, I I think of Lord many today that remember loved ones. Lord, we all are connected to somebody, Lord, and we we do thank you for that, Lord. That that sacrifice, Lord. I thank you for our country, Lord. I thank you that, Lord, through your sovereignty and your grace, Lord, that I was born here and Lord, I can live a free life. And Lord, uh, Lord, uh, it's just so much to be thankful for. And Lord, I think sometimes if we're not careful, God, I can take that for granted. And Lord, I do thank you for it. I thank you for freedom, Lord. I, I thank you for, that your grace has been shed, and Lord, is it, as times continue to change, God, may we, uh, Lord, continue to have a free country, Lord, for our kids and our grandkids and the generations that will come after us, Lord, I, uh, I pray, God, that you would preserve our nation and preserve our freedom, Lord, I pray for our leaders, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, just... Lord, I, I pray that your hand, Lord, would be on uh, this place. And God, I, I thank you for our church this morning. Lord, we can come. We can worship you. Lord, we can be encouraged through song, Lord, and through the scriptures. Lord, I, I pray as we teach your word this morning, God, that the seed of your word would fall on good ground. Lord, I pray that you would grow each one of us, Father. Thank you for what this weekend represents, Lord. And I thank you what Sunday uh, represents, God, that we serve a risen Savior. Lord, bless everything that's said and done. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning. Daniel chapter number 3. We're going to step out of Luke um, just uh, for a minute, just for today. Um, The book of Daniel, awesome book. And really the theme of Daniel is this, God's sovereignty over history, over kingdoms, over empires, and God sets up and He removes kings as He pleases. Jewish history around 607 BC is where we find the setting of our uh, of our text this morning everybody right up here it's where we, we find the setting of our text uh, there was an egotistical uh, man basically named A- uh, Nebuchadnezzar that had taken over and that was uh, in rule he was the monarch he ended up attacking the tribe of Judah he not only uh, took over the country size but he kidnapped if you will the most intelligent the best and took on um, uh, these young men as captives. We know the story. This period of captivity is what is known today uh, as uh, it, this area would have been known it, it would have been known as modern day Iraq. So that's where the setting is, as far as geographically where this is taking place. This was a severe time of trial. For God's people, I and mean, this was a time uh, for God's people uh, that they were they were under trial, they were under persecution, and I want to just say this as we get in this text this morning: that is nothing new. Okay, I think sometimes in our world we we think that listen, we're we're only seeing. Uh, The things that we're, we're only seeing craziness now. If you remember all the way back to Genesis 6, it got so bad, and I've said this many times, that God ended up wiping out everybody but one family, okay? Since the fall of man, it has always been bad. But in our text that we're going to look at this morning, there was a a young leader named Daniel. We're familiar with him. And there were some other young men. There were four others named Shadrach, Meshach, or three others, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. During this time in Jewish history, what had happened is everything they had been taught had brought been brought into question. Everything that they had grown up learning had been brought into question. Uh, not only did Nebuchadnezzar endeavor to change uh, their dietary laws and change all the law that they had grown up learning, he, w- he, w- he was really trying to get them to change their mindset, their outlook, the way that they would worship. He was trying to get them to follow after a paganism, uh, which was something that they, they had not followed. They had followed the one God, the true God, Jehovah, he makes a large image of himself, we know this in the text here, and demands everyone to bow and, and worship. This guy was so proud of himself that this, this statue of himself, it wasn't just a statue like a life size statue, okay, this thing was 90 feet tall, okay, can everybody say he, he liked himself, alright, this statue was 90 feet tall. Tall. It was, uh, uh, and so that, that's where we find this text. And I just want to work through these verses and give you a couple things that I think are very practical for us in the day that we live in. But let's just hop into chapter number three we're going to have a little Bible study this morning and then talk together and then go home and we would enjoy some sunshine and some hot dogs and hamburgers, but it's fall today, okay? So do whatever you're going to do. Maybe snuggle up in your blanket next to your fire when you get home today, all right? Look at chapter number three. Look at verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, the breadth thereof six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So this 90-foot statue. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent together all the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, and the counselors, and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So he builds a statue, and he basically orders every province, all the governmental leaders, to bring their people in to see this for this dedication. All right, so this guy's like, hey... Everybody's come, come in, and we're going to dedicate my statue to me. Okay, that's this guy had a. He was very proud. Okay, very proud of himself. Look at verse three. Then the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors and the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud. To you it is commanded, O people and nations and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a, of a fiery furnace. So he calls everybody here for this dedication of himself of this statue himself. And then he has a herald stand up. And that herald would be like, if you've watched some of the, the movies, like in the night's times, um, I don't know if y'all have ever seen a knight's tale before, but they, they'd always introduce the knight, okay? And he would get up, and this is what this herald does. He gets up and says, listen, when this, he's, he's yelling it out. You got a picture. He's like a spokesman, you know? And I just picture this little guy with the, with a the little hat on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Look like an elf kind of. Not funny? Okay, it's funny to me, all right? My imagination runs wild sometimes. And he yells out, we're going to play some music, and he lists all these instruments, and he says, when you hear these instruments play, guess what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to bow. You've got to bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, could you imagine the, the conversation Nebuchadnezzar must have had with everybody? Hey, listen, we're going to play this music, <laughs> and when I play this music, everybody, I want everybody to bow. I mean, this dude really, I mean, that's a prideful, I mean, that's a pretty prideful person. So he, he, they said that, and if you don't bow, this is what's going to happen. And, and I want us to stop and just think for just a second here. Sometimes I read these stories, and my imagination does run wild, but these were real people, real time, real day, real government, real king. I mean, they're, they're trying to just live their lives, okay? If you don't bow, you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. I mean, that's pretty serious. And this is what, he's, this, is what this herald is saying. If you don't bow, you're going to die. Would you all say that's a pretty big consequence for not bowing? If you don't bow to this 90-foot golden statue, you're going to die. Your life is at stake over this decision. Look at verse 7. Therefore, at that time, when the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the language, look what they did. They fell down and they worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. So the government here says, and that's what, that's what Nebuchadnezzar was. He was the government. He says this, if you don't bow, you're going to die. The music plays, and what does everybody do? Everybody bows. Look at verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. So everybody right up here. So who were the Jews? I don't mean to bore you with the Bible. We're going to work through this whole text of this morning. Who were the Jews that were here? It was those that had been taken captivity. Specifically, we were going to see these three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, look at verse number nine. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. They're really kissing up to this guy. Thou, O king, hast made a decree. That every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbuck, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, and shall shall fall down and worship the golden image. So they're really what they're doing here is they're using his words against him because he didn't have anything against these Hebrews. Okay, he actually liked them. All right, these are some of his inner circle, if you will. But these others, the, the, these other, they, they did not like them. Okay, because and I think probably because they've been getting priority here in the kingdom, they they were having position and they're having influence that the others weren't having. Look at verse 11. And whoso falls not down and worship that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews, verse 12, whom thou hast set over the affairs. So these Jews, man, they had been given influence. They had been given position. Province of Babylon, here they are, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve, not thy gods. Nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, look what this ticked him off because he is a prideful guy. So you got to understand, these were people that he did like, but listen, pride can get the best of anybody. And that's what's happening here. Man, these dudes that he really liked and these guys that he had promoted because of his pride, look what ends up happening. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, ticks him off. In his fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, do you not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? So he said, hey, "Aren't you, you know, are you not serving our gods? Are you did you not bow when the music begin to play?" Verse 15. Now, if ye be ready at what time of year, at the sound and the cornet and the flute and the harp and the sackbut and the psalter and the dulcimer and all kinds of music, ye shall fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in the same hour in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Who is the God that shall deliver you out of my hands? It's almost like he's going to give them a second chance. Like, hey, I'm going to give you another chance here. You know, if you bow, then, then man, listen, we're not, I won't, I won't cast you into the, the fiery furnace. And look what, what the, look what they say in verse number 16. This is an awesome verse. Everybody right up here, verse 16. This is good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And I want you all to notice this. This is important. They're not lashing back, okay? They're not just fighting. And I think this is where we can, as Christians sometimes, we can come across wrongly, okay? Man, they're communicating. They're having a conversation with him, all right? Look look what happens, verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve, and I love this, is able. Man, I believe that this morning, don't you? Listen, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Would you all agree that these dudes had, this wasn't just for them following God, wasn't just something they did on Sunday mornings. These guys were willing to die for their faith. Man, these guys, as, as, and facing a trial, facing a, knowing that, all through the Old Testament, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, but all through the Old Testament, do you know why God's jealousy and why God's judgment always came on the children of Israel? What the main reason was? It was when they began to worship other gods. It's when their heart was turned from God to other people. That's the reason that God sent kings. That's the reason that God sent judges. That's the reason that God sent prophets, was to turn the heart of Israel's worship back to Him. So they knew that this was a big God, or a big deal. There shall be no other gods before thee. They say, listen, We're not bowing, king, no matter what you say, and our God, listen, he will take care of us. man. he will deliver us. Then Nebuchadnezzar, here he is again, a prideful dude, ticked off and full of fury, and a form against his visage changed, so his attitude really changed here. He's really ticked off now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace... Seven times more than it listen than it was usually supposed to be heated. So would y'all agree? He's pretty ticked off here. All right. He gives them a chance. What do they do? Sorry, Nebuchadnezzar. We're not bowing. We we know God will deliver us. This goes against what we believe. This goes against our faith. Look at verse number 20. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind. So he ties them up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and casts them into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen in their hats, and their other garments were cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took them there. This fire was so hot that the guys that even threw them in end up dying. Okay? That's pretty hot fire, all right? And so, man, he's ticked. He's trying to kill them. He's trying to murder them and martyr them for what they believe. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and he rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors. And I love this verse. Did we not cast three men bound? In the midst of the fire. Could you imagine being Nebuchadnezzar? And you throw these three Hebrew teenagers or young men in the fire. And it's like, man, I just threw three people in there. Why am I seeing four people? And look what he says. They they, they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, lo, I see four men loose. And they're walking. What an awesome miracle. In the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth, I love this, is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire and the princes and the governors and the captains of the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, and notice this, upon whose bodies the fire had no power nor was a hair of their head sins. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. Man, God was protecting them, wasn't he? Man, their faith, man, their faith here, man, it it was proved, and it was proven by God. Man, their faith, and they end up in this fire, and this is an awesome story to think about. Man, they, they, they don't even smell like smoke when they come out of there. Man, their clothes haven't been marked. Think about the miracle here. The men throwing them in even died. Yet these guys remained untouched, unharmed. Verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except Their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what an awesome turn of events here, shall be cut into pieces, all right, and shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is a wild story. Of three men whose faith in God, regardless of what was going on in the culture, made a big difference. I mean, they simply stood when everyone else bowed. When everybody around them was bowing to the idols, really the one idol, Fearing for their life. What did these three young men do? They stood because of their faith in God. There's three things that I want us to notice from this text this morning that I think are very applicable from this story to our lives. Just like there was a call of the culture in their day. What was it? It was to follow the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. It was to worship Nebuchadnezzar. It was bow to Nebuchadnezzar. Or you're going to die. Can I just say in our culture. How many of you know there's, there's a call going on in our culture right now. And this is the word. This is the call that's going on in our culture. I wrote the word down. Idolatry. The same thing that was going on then. Is the same thing that's going on now. You say, Jake, what do you mean by the call of the culture? I Listen to me. Since the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3, there has been an issue with humanism and there's been an issue with idolatry. The three things back in Genesis chapter number 3, we know these, we've studied them a lot. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you were to define the word idolatry, this is how you would uh, I find it, define it. The worship of idols. The worship of something other than God. As though it were God. Now, I understand that most of us this morning aren't going to have, and you may, I don't know, uh, we're living in some crazy times, but most of us aren't going to go home and have some, uh, you know, have some little statue that we're going to pray to, or some statue we're going to bow to, or some totem pole, you know, that we're going to go light incense around, or some rug that we're going to get out. And you all heard it before. It's not funny to you anymore, but it's still funny to me. And we're going to sit there and go, yamma, yama, yama," Huh? We're not going to do that. And burn some incense, and maybe, maybe you know, do some, you know, some crazy. There's people that still, and I know this sounds nut, nuts, Old Testament man. They sacrificed all kinds of stuff. We're going to look at some false gods here in just a second. But idolatry is putting anything in the place of God. Here, Nebuchadnezzar was leading a nation in idolatry, an idol of himself. There is this is nothing, and this is what I want us to understand. Idolatry is nothing new in our world. God's people throughout all of history have followed idols. That's why God's punishment and God's jealousy is displayed throughout the whole Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament, you're going to find these false gods. Let me just give a couple of them to you. The Ashtoreth, this goddess of the Canaanites was connected with fertility and maternity. Worship of Astaroth was strong at Sidon. She was sometimes called a, 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 a companion of Baal. By the way, she was the reason that King Solomon fell. God's people following a false god. You're going to find it all through the Old Testament. One that's very familiar to us is Baal. That Baal worship. It was the supreme God among the Canaanites. Matter of fact, the whole reason uh, that God wanted to wipe out the Canaanites, and we must understand that God just in the Old Testament didn't just go around killing nations. The reason his judgment came is when people's hearts were turned away from his worshiping him to worshiping other gods. With that prophet Baal is one that we're familiar with, another fertility god who supposedly made the earth bear crops and women bear children. The famous story of Elijah, who was he dealing with? Remember when he called down fire, was this god of Baal. Israel's heart had turned to them. Listen, um, there's a bunch of them. Chemosh, Dagon, this is the god of the Philistines that has the body of the fish and a human head um, in, in his statues. Dagon was the god of water and grain. Samson, the Hebrew judge, met his death at the temple of Dagon, after the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, they placed it next to their temple to Dagon. The next day, Dagon's statue was toppled to the floor. They set it upright, and the next morning it was again on the floor with the head and hands broken off. Later, the Philistines put King Saul's armor in the temple and hung uh, his severed head in the temple of Dagon. They would also, this is a big one, if you go back and study the Old Testament, they would literally sacrifice their babies to Dagon. The children of Israel all through the Old Testament. Here's a, a, a real popular. Remember after Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he's just been given, the, he'd just been given the law. And where are God's people? Where does he find God's people? Y'all remember the story? He's literally just been given God's, God's law. And he comes down and his people are there. And I'm not trying to be crass this morning. They're naked, doing stuff that's insane, dancing around a golden calf. This is where God's judgment comes, when God's people, listen. Begin to worship things other than God. That's what a common thing in the Old Testament is this idea of idolatry. We could go through a bunch more in the Old Testament, right? They, they worship, what, what the children of Israel had done is they'd begin to take on that Canaanite, these Canaanite gods. And when you talk about these fertility gods, they would literally worship God through different sex acts and different things like that. I'm talking about sick stuff, all right? And this, these were God's people that would follow down those roads. Now, today, if you think about idolatry in our life, what do you think about? What is it in our lives and in our culture that begins, it may not be Nebuchadnezzar being 90 foot tall, but what about this? I think one of the big ones right now in our world, one of the big false gods and idols is identity. It's all you hear about. It's become a religion. And you know what? If we're not careful, many of us will bow to what the culture says about identity. Man, we can't be swept into. What about pleasure? Man, we live in, a, especially in America, like one of the things that we love is pleasure, comfort. I don't know about you, but I don't like not having air conditioner. Somebody help me this morning. I don't like it. I don't like being, does anybody like being uncomfortable? Like I hate it, man. I hate being uncomfortable. But I think as Americans, one of the things that we really do go at, man, it's about pleasure. It's about how does this make us, maybe put it this way, feel We begin to make decisions based on feeling. So we have these idols of maybe identity. Maybe these idols of pleasure. How about these two? The idols of religion. say, what do you mean? There's people that worship religion and they don't worship God. You understand what I'm saying? They worship. I know people, and I've met people and even been guilty of it in my past, that worship rules, regulations, standards. I know people that worship. You know you can take a good thing and begin to make an idol out of it. I know people that worship the Bible instead of the God of the Bible. It's a good thing. Is everybody tracking me on this? But if we're not careful, this good thing in our lives can become a bad thing. I know people that worship being a Baptist. <laughs> Gag a maggot this morning. I'll take it off the sign. Somebody help me. I don't care. You understand what I'm saying? We worship these different things if we're not careful. I know people that worship family, the God of family. Man, we bow to family, we bow to identity, we bow to religion, we bow to good things sometimes. But anything that's our focus, that takes away from the glory of God, can be an idol in our lives. What about this secular humanism? Basically, man, how do we feel about it? living life based on those things? Pleasure, how it makes us feel. Everything goes, is okay. Here's another one that's an idol in our world today. Acceptance and tolerance. How many of y'all figured out those screaming tolerance the most, they ain't going to give it to us? we come become an idol. Oh, we just need to tolerate everything. Now, listen, this is where I'm at with some of this stuff. If you want to do that, that's your business, right? I mean, what a, what a couple does, you know, behind their closed doors at their house, man, you do what you want to do. If you want to be that, you be that. This is where the problem comes in in our culture, is when they begin to try to shove it down our ever-loving throats. Is everybody track me on this? Like, it's okay. Like, if that's what you want to do, you do it. But when they start going after our kids, when they start going after our churches, because it's coming. I don't know if y'all realize that. The messages I preached over the last month, there's going to come a day you're going to get in trouble for preaching those type of messages. I'm just being honest with you. They're coming. Listen, you can't walk into a store, and it's a shame because we just, most of us in here this morning, can we just be honest? We just want to live our lives peacefully, don't we? We want to wake up. We want to go to work. Well, no, we don't. Somebody help me this morning. We want to have a... Hol- Socialism doesn't sound that bad. Let's just all stay home and be... fed. No, I'm just kidding. We want to wake up. We want to go to work. We want to raise our families. We want to worship with our church. We want to... Is everybody tracking me on this? We don't want to fight everybody. We don't want to have anger. But I'll tell you this. We, we're living in days where if we're not careful... Man, as that culture calls and idolatry's in front of us, if we're not careful, y'all, we, we're going to start bowing and we don't even realize it sometimes. And listen, I'm not here preaching boycotts this morning, although it looks like they did do some good the last couple weeks. Bud Light, I think lost like some crazy, and they they should have lost money anyway. So, you beer drinkers, help me. I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. Target, ninety billion. And I'm not here preaching it's You do what you want to do. You make those. What I'm saying is, I think the loudest voices sometimes in our culture aren't really the loudest is everybody tracking me because there's a whole lot more of us than we think there are and i think what i want to just encourage you this morning as a church and as a family is i'm not saying we need to get out and fight against her but i don't believe that's god's way but i do believe this we don't we can't bow to we can't bow to idols in our lives i've been guilty of it man i've been guilty of just getting used sometimes to what's going on you know well shatter at me and Abednego, it's really not that big a deal if we bow because man we're going to die if we do <laughs> Right? Man, there's going to be some consequences if we bow, if we don't. Man, I just want to encourage you this morning, as that call of the culture continues to get louder and louder. And here it is. Satan is the great deceiver. And he wants you and I as believers, he wants our hearts turned away from worshiping God. He will use anything and any means necessary to get us distracted but can I just encourage us? We need to be like these Hebrew boys and say, you know what, this is what God's Word says. This is where we stand. We can do no other. If you want to do that, you do it, but as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Somebody help me preach this morning. For our church, we're still going to pray for our country. For our church, we're still going to preach the truth in love. For our church, we're not going to bow to what the culture says because we really believe in our Savior and in our King and in listen, and in our God. So, man, the call of the culture, listen, is is is, is this this idea of idolatry? And then I wrote this down. The call of the crowd is this: they want us to bow. They want us to bow. Most of us, as I mentioned, we just want to live lives quietly, peacefully. But they're screaming at us to bow. You say, I don't believe that, Jake. Turn your TV on. You see the most god awful stuff you've ever seen in your life right now on television. I mean, I mean, like stuff where. Y'all know, I mean, like stuff when you have kids in the room that you're like, what in the world is going on? Like this is crazy sickness. And I've already said this. If you want to do that stuff behind you, you do what you want to do. But when hey, when we're we're having this stuff in libraries, we're having this stuff on every single commercial, and I'm not going to go into it. I've been beating it and hitting it right between the eyes a lot lately. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, that call for us to bow, we're going to say, oh, it's not a big deal. And you know what? We may not face the consequences, but can I just tell you who's going to face them? Our kids and our grandkids are. I mean, our kids, can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I can't imagine. Like, I, I laughed. Jason, I, I said this the other day to somebody. I used to a little bit tongue-in-cheek laughed at some of the old-timers when they would say, oh, it's coming. This is what's going to happen. And it came a lot faster than they even thought it would. I used to laugh a little bit. No, it's not that big a deal. No, it is a big deal. And listen, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves, man, At that moment when that music starts to play and we have a choice either to stand or to bow, man, I pray that we'll have the faith in God and the belief that His Word is true, that we gracefully and lovingly have some stinking backbone and stand for what God's Word says. That jealousy and anger in Scripture is always related to worshiping other gods, idolatry. Listen, violence isn't the answer. I saw a video of yesterday of a guy going into Target, tearing everything down. I want to do that, but that ain't right. We're never for destruction of someone else's property. Listen, the Hebrew boys stood for what they believed. When the entire crowd was bowing, they stood strong. In this day and hour, I just want to encourage us as a church, don't bow and stand Strong. We must be the ones, listen, who educate our kids on what God's Word says. Parents, you listen to me. If you're depending on the government, (laughs) that's another sermon for another day. If you're depending on the school system, whether it's Christian or secular, if you're depending even on the church alone to educate your children, listen, we're missing the boat. It starts in your home. It starts with you. It starts with me. Man, it starts with us sitting down and having hard conversations. Do you understand? We have to have conversations with our kids today that, man, my parents would have never dreamed they would have had to have with me. When it comes to identity, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to this world, when it comes to the thing they're going to face, I mean, we've got to have, sit down and have honest conversations with them. Because listen, if we don't, I mean, the America that we live in, they ain't going to know. Listen, our grandkids aren't going to even, they're not even going to believe the stories that we're going to tell them. I want us just to think about this this morning for a minute. not And I just want to encourage you, don't give in. Don't bow. The world says we must base all these things on feeling. And I'm not going to go into all of it again this morning because I did a, a huge monologue on it recently. But listen, we can't go on. But here's the thing. You you've got to learn to teach your kids and to be in the Word with them and to teach them that God designed them and God created them and they're not a mistake and who God made them to be is who God made them to be and He has a calling for them and He has a blessing for them. Listen, He wants their heart of worship, man. That's what our kids need to see. They need to see that God's not mad at you, God's not angry with you, God loves you. And listen, God made you and He's your Father and He deserves your worship and He alone wants to direct. And is everybody tracking me here this morning? That's what true faith is. We've got to communicate that to the next generation that the God we serve is on the throne and that he's sovereign and that he loves us and that he wants to use us. And even in these dark days, these are good days to serve Jesus and these are good days not to bow. And these are good days to do what's right and to stand in this culture. I remember when we were younger, we wanted to be rebels. Like, we wanted to be the bad boys. I mean, we were like sixth graders walking around with dips of snuff in our mouth in North Texas, you know. We want to be, the, you know, you want to be, tell your kids this. You want to be a rebel today? If he's a boy, date a girl. Huh? You want to be a rebel in the society we are today? Do what's right. Live right. Keep yourself pure. Man, you want to be a rebel today? Because that's what we want. we want. You want to be a rebel? Man, be a normal, functioning person in society, get a job. We laugh about it, but that's a stinking truth. I told someone the other day, my daughter's nineteen years old. She get you know what she does every morning? When her alarm goes off at six fifteen, she gets her tail out of bed and she goes to work. She works more than some grown men I know do. Huh? We've got to listen, y'all. If it don't start in our homes, where's it gonna start? If we don't reclaim, and I preached last week, I'm not talking about the American dream. I'm talking about loving our families and having a church that worships God and just being good members in society. If we're going to do that, it's going to take us to society. You know, we're not bowing. I'm not giving in. And and honestly, eventually, just like with them, it may get where it costs us something. What are we going to do then? That's a tough question, isn't it? What do we do then? When they say, hey, you can't do this if you don't do this and this. We got close there a couple years ago, by the way. If you don't think we were close, we were as close as we've ever been as a country to be in there. What are we going to do? Here's the thing that the boys knew thirdly is this. When, when the culture's calling to bow, listen, when the, when the crowd's calling up for us to bow, here's what they knew. There was a care that it can only come from Christ, and there's a peace that only comes from following him. They knew that if they had to die for the cause of Christ, he would give them the grace to face whatever they went through. I've often wondered in my life, when true persecution comes, what's really going to happen for, with us? I wonder how many, there'll be some that hide draft dodgers. They'll tuck their tail and they'll hide. There'll be some others that are probably a little extreme, but I'm talking just for us that want to leave our lives peacefully, do what's right, stand for Jesus, love our families, love our church, and live free lives. I wonder if, we're, if we have the type of faith that we know, listen, even if this costs me, man, I'm willing to stand for what's right. I thought about this on Memorial Day. Aren't you thankful? That some generations before us in World War II and World War I, some men had some grit that said, you know what, if this costs us to preserve our next, our freedom, somebody better help me this morning. I'm around some preachers, a bunch of pacifists anymore that says, oh, I can't believe, you know, we shouldn't go to war, we shouldn't care of politics, we shouldn't care about of America. I'm just telling you, I still do, I still believe in it, I'm still thankful for it, I'm thankful for those that have bled, I'm thankful for those that have fought, I'm thankful, I'm not ashamed. Is anybody, y'all, y'all, y'all hearing me this morning? And that's for our country. But also, bigger than our country is this, man, for our Christianity, for what we believe as Christians, man, for what we believe, we've got to be willing to stand. So I just want to encourage you with this. I want to tell you this when we're done this morning. There may come a day in our lifetime where the ultimate sacrifice is the price that must be paid. Man, I pray that for us and for me, listen, I pray that God gives me the grace and the faith think about this with me, to stand when the whole world's bowing, to stand when friends are bowing, to stand when other churches are bowing, to stand when family members are bowing, to have some backbone and say, you know what, I'm not here to fight nobody, I'm just trying to live my life, but man, if this is what God's Word says, this is where I I must stand heads bow nice because let's stand at our feet this morning maybe this morning just in our invitation lift up your family this morning lift up our church lift up our country as abby plays this morning if you need prayer there'll be some counselors down here on the front row that would love to pray with you and talk to you it's a good time just to maybe thank god for our freedom this morning thank god for his grace in your life thank god and for his grace in your family abby's going to play just a verse or two this morning